Welcome everyone to another exciting edition of Retro Encounter. I'm your host Josh Curry. With me is Caitlin Ardros. Hi, as always. Well, not always, but a lot of the time it seems. Mm-hmm. Chris Kabauer. Hello everyone. Mike Sobato. Hi there. And Peter Trees. Three things. And we're here to talk about the ending of Parasite Eve. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> Although it <laughs> seems like happy it's over. <laughs> what, a, what a lengthy journey it was. <laughs> I beat four final forms in the boss. Actually, I gotta say, yeah, after the last couple of bosses, I, I was glad it was over, because they were not fun. Yeah, like, Parasite, Parasite Eve has a reputation for being a short game, but that last hour is the final boss, and all the times you spend not beating it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the final boss meant it seem like it's no longer a short game. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw it's that really out there. <laughs> You get through that game comfortably, and then that happens, and you don't know what happened, where, what you missed, why it's so crazy hard. And then if you're like me, and you get caught on the geometry when you're trying to escape, you have to restart again. Yeah, Yay. that must suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would suck. Can, oh, you, can you not save at that, that, that phone in the first room, when it's be- were you being chased I know, I by think it? The phone br- I think the phone is broken. The phone, yeah, the phone is broken. Is broken. Ah. You just got fun. And uh, there's some jagged stuff there after you set that self-destruct. And it's not fun. It is not a good feeling. Especially when it's you finally beat the boss for the first time. Well, <laughs> and let's be honest, the third form is the boss, because everything else is pretty <sighs> easy with that fight. But Yeah. I mean, when it turns, it's just when it a turns into Sephiroth. Yes, <laughs> a, a bald, uh, a bald Sephiroth, but yeah, bald, bald Satan baby Sephiroth. Yeah, that is the most disgusting looking baby. It does not seem like it's yeah, an ultimate anything. <laughs> it's nasty. It's got wings looking at you. I think it's, out. its fourth form is really pretty looking. It's a shame I have to kill it, but <laughs> no, I was yeah, it looks surprised. Much more like it. By, like, the, the difficulty spike, because I think I died maybe once, and mm-hmm. that was not to a boss, but to, like, a random mob um, earlier in the game, and had no problems with any of the bosses, and then Eve was not fun, because she had some really difficult-to-dodge moves, yeah. grabbing moves yeah. that are really hard to, to dodge, and then the ultimate being, the third form specifically, is really hard, with hard-to-dodge moves, and shitty uh status effects that he loves to throw at you and i had i had a bunch of medicine even and i spammed through it and died so yeah it's it's not fun if you get caught like the difficulty curve stuff yeah it seems like the the difficulty curve up to that point was relatively like stable too like it was like it it wasn't like easy like it wasn't really easy but it was like uh, it was a it was a ride. It was taking you along through the story, like the Hollywood movie influence. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the game, they remember this is supposed to be an RPG. We need to make it challenging. And they gave you the the, the final boss gauntlet from hell. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think I actually think yeah. Eve is harder than the Ultimate Being, though. I despise that fight. <laughs> I love when she jumps up into the huh. air and throws a spear at you, and you can't see where you are, and you have to try and figure out which direction to run to not get hit by it. Yeah. That's fun. The hope for the best tactic. Yeah. yeah Just like, a whole lot of nope. the combat mechanics. I think it got, and I uh, I was actually delayed a little bit like towards the end because I think it started uh, ramping up when you get to the museum, actually. 
Because when you mm -hmm. at least at what I level, what level I was at when I got there, all of a sudden every enemy is hitting me for like you know 50, 60 damage. Yeah, they do. And it it took so many rounds to uh, kill things. Although I did notice that I um maybe should not have been using grenade launchers. Oh, I was using a grenade launcher throughout. Well, I was. Yeah, I was for a while, and um, actually, like just well today, I switched. I was watching a. Uh, I watched a walkthrough because I don't remember the stupid Triceratops being as hard as it was. Because <laughs> he'd hit me like four times and kill me. So I went and like upgraded some weapons and I leveled up. And and I was watching the guy and he's using a handgun. And I guess I really wasn't thinking about the different, the reload times and the fire times of the weapons. So even though the handgun that I had wasn't as powerful, I was doing way more damage and wasn't left open to attacks. Yeah. So that made yeah, all a huge of a sudden difference. that becomes really important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the lag, the difference, and yeah, rate of fire and all the rest of it. Uh, I started using the shotgun after finding it in the sewers, and that made the museum specifically a lot easier, just because you can hit multiple targets with a single shot. Yeah, splash damage spread. is great. And that splash damage, especially with those guys that roll at you, like armadillos and. Some of the more annoying, mm -hmm. like jumping tiny dinosaurs, you can just kind of group them up and take them out in a few shots. But otherwise, when it, especially, <laughs> but that shotgun was not that useful for the final boss fight. Nope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I missed that shotgun else. actually. Like I didn't get any shotgun until the one in the museum, and I wish I had had one earlier. So I must have missed the passage or something. It's. It was. I. I didn't. I mean, I only found it on this playthrough by luck because I got lost in the. Uh, in the sewers underneath Chinatown and wasn't sure, forgot how to get to the, uh, to the subway. <laughs> I just completely right. ignored that door and was just trying to figure out where I had to go after draining the sewer and just found a box. And it was like shotgun. It's like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later I realized I was right at the exit and had been walking aimlessly for a long time. I'm pretty sure I saw every <laughs> part of that sewer about four times. Oh God. Yeah, I, I a... used a guide so I knew where to go. Smart. Yeah. Smart, I, smart. So I tried to be good because this is my first time through of not using a guide. Mm -hmm. So things like the sewer would have made sense. It's like, you know what? You're not really gaining anything. Just use a guide. I chose not to. And then, like, little other stupid things. I was like, oh, I should have just figured this out. Like, why did I. Why did I kind of ruin that experience? I don't know. I did it, like, completely backwards. <laughs> yeah, there's always that moment where you check a guide and you realize that it, the answer was staring you in the face the whole time. Yeah. You just kind of slap yourself like, no. You just feel dirty. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so but, I did not do that. Didn't do it in the sewer, though. And I regret that because I just kept wandering. But I did find a shotgun because of it. So, yeah. yeah. At least in Paris Parasite Eve, though, there is a lot of little stuff you can miss if, mm -hmm. if, like, if you don't know it's there or if you're not actively, like, poking around everywhere. And oh, I, that, yeah. I actually there's kind of made room. a mistake. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. All right. Well, it's, just, it's quick. But yeah, there's rooms that you don't think are there and boxes that are off screen, which are really fun mm -hmm. to find. I, I actually saw, again, in that walkthrough, I found some rooms today in the museum that I don't think I even knew about the first time I played. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was like, hey, hey, that's a cool gun to have. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot, lot of rooms in the museum you can just ignore mm -hmm. if you just take the right path to the boss yeah. kind of thing. The guns there's, that there's have like, like the the double command uh, skill yeah, are really really good. Yeah, mm -hmm. secret elevator, which I did not even know about. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, uh, 
I miss you, that. You go to that. You go to that warehouse that you can you can go. You don't have to go there, but if you do, you can get a rocket launcher like yep. re- or like relatively early on, and that's great. From that absurdly annoying from, crab boss. From the giant enemy crab. Oh yeah. <laughs> that guy was actually. Guy, a but I attacked difficult. his. Yeah. I attacked his weak point for massive damage and got a rocket launcher for it. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. I was well just about to make a joke played. about that. Someone Very had nice. to do it, and I could pull. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. It is historically accurate. I think, but it, but in case, like, I mean, what we're getting at is is that like there's a there's a surprising amount of stuff jammed into this little ten hour experience. Yeah, and that's so. What I was gonna say uh, earlier was um, when I first started, I actually it actually slightly overwhelmed me because so I was like, oh, this is a short uh, game. I have plenty of time to like just I'm going to look at everything. So like I, I think I, I mentioned how in the first episode I literally went to every locker and I opened every single locker because I was like, mm-hmm. I can if I can interact with it, I'm gonna do that. And I did that for like the first couple, I think the first two days. I was like, what what am I doing? Like we one of the things we bragged about the game last time around was like this is kind of cinematic like it's supposed to be this experience it's supposed to be great and it like was ruining that because it was making everything so stilted and so it was kind of from that point on i was like you know what i'm just going to kind of mainline this as well as i can that with things that kind of make my sense like make sense to me because that would be what she'd be doing because there's enough crap going on she's not gonna be like oh i'm gonna look inside this box i'm gonna look inside this she's not a pack um, rat right yeah like there, there's there's things popping off she needs to get her she needs to get some work done, you know? And yeah, plus, uh, plus, there's, plus there's limited inventory space. Yeah. Unless you've been, like, dumping all your points into it. And even then. Even then, yeah. So, but yeah, that freed me up to, like, just enjoy the game more. Just kind of take it as more... I, sure. Casual is a terrible word to use, but it was like... It wasn't me just trying to, like, min-max everything and, like, find every little secret. Um, but... Mm-hmm. That makes it fun, then, if you find something random that becomes an incredibly useful weapon or item and right. you weren't trying to look for it and you're like yes and then that's where this all of you this story becomes a really good example because it would have been very easy for me like i'm going to use a guide i can either just get out of this as quickly as possible or i know exactly where to go to get the shotgun and it happened to be like immensely frustrating because it's one of those like classic jokes like i think i've seen that stain before because i'm just wandering around in the same circle over and over again but it made it so that, like, hey, like, there, there's this huge moment of surprise and excitement because, like, I actually found something. I accomplished this on my own. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, it, that kind of worked right. out in that regard. Mm-hmm. I, I like your point about um, kind, of, kind of starting to play it casually after a while, too, um, because I think that's something I actually I like about a lot of Square's 90s games in particular is that, like, I'm not a mid-maxer. I don't. Like, I don't, like, play game. When I play an RPG, I don't go for the optimal build or, like, I'm not a, or a, I'm not a completionist either. So I tend to try and just play it and do what I can along the way. And if I really like it, I'll go and seek out optional content to do. And I think um, a lot of Square's games, it's, including Parasite Eve, they have that you can just play them as a straight experience, but there is the depth and the little hidden extras to explore if you so desire See, I'm actually usually, I will, like, I, we've talked about this before, where I've, like, max leveled up over things, so I'm, like, twice the level I'm supposed to be at an area. But I, I'm not sure if it was because of the more cinematic nature of this. Like, it felt, like, almost in some regards, like an action movie. So it just didn't seem appropriate. Yeah. Until, and then it's like, oh, well, I probably should have been doing more of that once the, kind of, like, the difficulty started spiking. Like, yeah, well, that's what you yeah, get for playing an RPG like this. 
Eve's there to remind you, okay, you're playing a video game now. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Movie's over. Get off the get, get out of the theater. You're 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 back in you're in my territory now. You're gonna get mugged behind the theater. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> By a yeah. bunch of mutant Parasite, rats. Parasite Eve. It's like watching a movie and then you get mugged outside the theater. Tagline. Twenty fifteen. Yep. Put it on the back of the box. <laughs> I'm sure they thought of it and then someone. Probably chimed in. It's like you know, that's, maybe just the cinematic RPG is better. Maybe that's not know, a compliment. Sa- let's 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 go with the other thing that they said. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sakaguchi sound. I feel like you might get in trouble for this. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, one thing going through uh, for these for the last three days, you know, so it was something that Caitlin mentioned in our last episode. But like the little atmospheric touches, like walking on glass or where certain things are shattered. And or or other just elements of the atmosphere and the sound design around it. There was one moment in the hospital uh, that I had never that I don't remember before uh, when I played this game, where if you just walk to the end of a hallway on one of the last floors, I think it's before heading up to the boss, you can go to a window and see the Chrysler building. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that the and first time either. Yeah, and there's no... There's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's no secret to it. It's just a, actually a very pretty little panorama that's almost a tease for, what you know, what, uh, you know, what do if you... Uh, put if you go to the Chrysler there. building. But otherwise, it's really just a nice... Oh, God, you have the Chrysler building. <laughs> there were also, like, again again. Ref- reflections... A lot of reflections yeah. in this game, which is in those glasses. Yeah. impressive considering its age and you know the time it came out, but also yep. sort of lends itself to the cinematic and the, the the movie-like nature of the game to have that little that little touch in there. And that was so cool to me. Just you see the Chrysler building, you have her reflection, and if you move, the reflection moves with you, and it's just this little touch of you get to take a breather and just look out, and then you go in and you have to go to the roof and fight a boss. Ugh, Spider Boss. Ugh. Yeah. That was so much not fun. Yeah, just getting stuck in those webs. You don't have to range. What what horror game does not have spiders of some sort? What RPG doesn't have spiders of some sort? (laughs) Good point. (laughs) And sewers. And sewers, yes. And and sewers. sewers, I don't get it either, because sewers, like, I understand why it would be in something like Parasite Eve, but you look at a lot of tradition more traditional rpgs there's there's colors there's environments and whatnot and they're like you've been on all these like crazy cool places but let's go to a sewer because that's exciting right <laughs> no I, there's it's all the same color why why are we crawling through grates and holes well like, because everyone already knows there are alligators in the sewers so it's a good place to fight monsters it's a good place to fight alligators <laughs> alligators that turn into monsters and have like electric jaws and no let's be honest split alligators already are massively terrifying they don't need anything else yes they, they don't need any help they don't need the mitochondria turning them into freakish monsters then eh no they already beat the dinosaurs they, they don't need any help <laughs> they survive fear them the 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 T-Rex boss would like to have a word with you on that. <laughs> that was, a, yeah, I mean, I, an easy but a cool boss, I thought. 
It, it was cool. It, it, I think it, stre- it stretches the... I mean, I know you're not supposed to think about this too much. It's a, it's a game about mitochondria that are taking over, but it sort of stretches the premise a little bit about how, like, the, the bones are... Hey, no, I, I can't let this slide. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> you're going to have an issue that there's a T-Rex, not somebody who is singing an opera exploding people. <laughs> not the fact that she birthed the ultimate being. You're going to take issue that there was a T-Rex. Well, she hadn't birthed the ultimate being yet. <laughs> Oh, okay. but that—that—that's the sticking point for this game is that there's a T-Rex in it. I want you to understand how absurd that is. As long as you admit <laughs> that, we can move on. I, I w- okay, I will admit. I will admit this is—it is a somewhat silly sticking point. But it, of all, yes, of all of the weird, bizarre things that happened in Parasite Eve, it's the ripping off Jurassic Park that—that that, uh, that's where I toe the line. <laughs> Well, okay, is it that there's a T-Rex, or is it that there's a T-Rex that breathes fire and can roar despite having no organs? That's all the mitochondria. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's full of mitochondria. It's a mitochondria vibrating. It's okay. No, I mean, I don't mind that it's there, but he does. Well, he's not going to be on another podcast after this. Actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's an idle threat if I ever heard one. Really take me off just in time for the January podcast, Josh. That hurts. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to sleep. All right. Oh wow! Well, getting wow. back to the museum. <laughs> We're all friends here. So friendly. Now it, it's weird because it, it I, I love like a it, lot of that. But yeah, no, right. I love that museum sequence. Uh, part of it's because I've gone to it's that museum cool. so many times since I was a kid, and we would take you know school trips there when you're five years old but i just love the idea and it horrifies me a little bit that concept yeah, so- of like walking through that museum one day and then everything's trying to kill you <laughs> i just i love it i know we asked you this last time we asked you this last time chris but like how does it hold up like is like the basic layout like i know probably not identical no, it's but not like even the lobby close or whatever the museum looks like at all i mean I the lobby of the like the main entrance there's now also a uh and a, a, a very key big entrance that goes into the planetarium directly. But the the original kind of main lobby is four uh, three different big skeletons uh, right there, all set up. So you walk in and you see a, I think one of them's a brontosaurus and one of them's a raptor and, uh, and the T-Rex. And then also it there's like a dinosaur section. If you've section. seen Night at the Museum, so much since I was a kid. you have an idea of what, what it actually looks like. I have not. But there you go, you're right. I, but, haven't seen, I haven't watched that movie in years. Well, it's been a long time yeah, since I've been just, to New York. I, but Hey, it's like you said, that movie like a, took you there. That's all you needed. Well, like no, a, but I have been like a, there. Sounds like a Parasite sequel book. Of course. But like, it, it's just, I love, it's basically like the nightmare of seven-year-old me existing in a game. And to me, that's the coolest thing. <laughs> Even playing it now, I just think that's still so much fun. Because I always used to think, you know, what if that whale hanging from the ceiling, you know, all of a sudden came alive and landed on me? Or you, you, you really I, need to. My imagination I'm, was crazy. I'm sorry if I'm allowed for a shameless plug. You really need to watch Night at the Museum then. <laughs> I know, se- I seven-year-old you would enjoy that movie. Be good. I know, but I'm not seven anymore, and I don't know. Well, your inner seven-year-old will enjoy that movie, and maybe adult you can That's be, fair. too, That's if fair. you That's accept fair. the ridiculousness of it. If I give it a chance. 
Yeah. Yes, give it a chance. I should. I will. Sorry, that was my... I just enjoyed that. That was your shameless plug you had to get in. Well, we're talking about the theme of natural history and things coming alive at night in the Museum of Natural History. So, of course, I want to mention Night at the Museum, which I think is not that bad of a movie. I was asking. Mm -hmm. So what do you have to say, Josh? I'm waiting for the retort. No, I'm trying to be good now. I already threatened to kick (laughs) Pete off the podcast, so I have to be be good for a couple minutes. One time I was born with the one negative thing for the next half hour. <laughs> so I'm sorry, your your evilness is on a cooldown right now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I figured, you know, like the audience isn't used to me striking out like that, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll chill for a little bit. Only sixty seconds left. Yeah, you're ruining it by having me explain it. <laughs> so wait, because you can't say anything negative right now, you have nothing to say at all, except to explain why you're not going to say anything right now? Absolutely. Okay. Well, just so we all understand now, then. <laughs> we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah we're all on the same page, so it's all good. Um, is full of hate and <laughs> shitty tasting games. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. You're just telling the truth on this podcast. Ouch. Yeah. That's strike two, Peter. <laughs> I'm actually curious, by uh, the way, because think... you know, we were talking about weapons earlier. Sorry, I know. Talking about the game again. Yeah, weird. it's terrible. But, uh, uh, did anyone, what, how did everyone specifically go through with uh, equipment progression? Did you have a favorite weapon that you just poured uh, upgrades that you would find into and then just you know, use tools to break that into whatever you found that was new and shiny, or did you stick with pistols? No, nope, I should have. Eight launchers. I stuck with a pistol. Yeah. I, oh, you went pistol away until I, I tried to, yeah. I would generally, if something, if I found something that was, that had a better attack value, I would switch to it, and then I would use tools to move what bonuses and whatnot from the old weapons yeah, yeah. onto it. Until I found uh, the shotgun that has like six or seven slots on it, and then I just started pouring everything into that. So I had it with uh, double action and um, uh, spread damage, and it also had acid on it. So I had a bunch of useful stuff on it, and I just kept sticking with that one at that point. But I guess I was doing it wrong because yeah, that's basically what I did. Doing I wasn't doing nearly as much damage at the end as I. Maybe should have been. I, I I did watch a video of the la- last couple of bosses to try and see how I was doing it wrong because I was getting hit by a lot of stuff. So it was like, yeah, and yeah. they were doing a lot more damage with their guns. But I don't know if that was just. I'm not sure if they were doing wonder... that on a first playthrough or not because they could have been on a, a you know a second or even a third loop and have much right. stronger weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wonder I if it's... you're watching the same video as me. Because I was watching that today, and I'm like, how does this guy have a pistol with an attack power of 95, and I have 50? Yeah, it sounds about right. And yeah, he had like like 40-something bonus points on his gun. Yeah. He's doing like 100-plus damage with each shot, and I'm like, I'm doing maybe half that with each shot, so... Yeah, pretty much the same here. Because one thing that uh, I, I, I kind of was going the pistol route i think i used a a rifle slash machine gun for a little while but i went back to the pistol and that was going really well for me and then i put the fire infused bullets upgrade on that gun and then all of a sudden i was doing nine damage instead of 50 
And I'm oh. sure it was just that that section. I was in the warehouse at the time. I just think that because all those rats use fire, it was just bad luck. But it was just like, great, mm-hmm. so glad this weapon I really loved is now absolutely useless. And, uh, yeah, I, f- I think I found a, a rifle in the warehouse before getting to the rocket launcher, and I just stuck with that, even though it only had mm-hmm. one shot per go-around. I think it's fairly easy to actually, like, to accidentally screw yourself with the weapon system in Parasite. It's so easy to do that. Whether it like, be giving the five bullets mm-hmm. or five shots versus three per... Uh, like, I don't fully grasp how it breaks down... Yeah. And kind of divides damage as because, you go. Because oh, I didn't, actually, I, I I did didn't know. Kale, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, no, I'm <laughs> we're all talking over each other. I did the same thing as I did the same thing as Kaylin, where I would like every time I got a new weapon, I would start like breaking them down and like here all the the slots for my old weapon. But I think that accidentally can back you into a corner when like you really want a a, a certain kind of weapon or a certain kind of ability, like. Even though they give you all those options, it's not really how I think they intend you to play through it. Like, I think they intend you to have, like, something of a small arsenal as you're going around. But, like, the swap according to use acid for yeah, these or guys. Accord- yeah, according to situation. Yeah. Sure. Which they don't really tell you a lot about, like... It's not like the game, like, drops a hint, like, being like, hey, you might want a, a different weapon for this scenario. They're just like, hey, you can take stuff from your weapons and put them into other weapons. And you go, ooh, shiny, I'm going to tinker. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I, so I, I lean, I'm going to give it a pass. I'm going to say that's making it more of a cinematic experience. So instead of like breaking kind of the fourth one, like, you can do this and explain it. Like, yeah, just being like, figure it out. Yeah, you're here, mm-hmm. you're, you're, the world's ending around you. Figure this out. And if you shoot something and it's not killing it, do something else. <laughs> there's like there's like one tutorial in the entire game, and that's when Wayne is explaining or Wayne or Taurus, I forget yeah. it, is explaining to you how to tune up your weapons and stuff. <laughs> yeah, with modifications and all that. And yeah, it goes to that one uh, page basically with two screenshots and yeah. two points. You're like, whoa, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> You're like, okay, thanks, and then you never see it again. Am I am I am I playing a game here? I thought I was watching a movie. A movie Maybe the rest of the time. Up. Maybe the rest of the time they're just expecting you to use scan on all your enemies. Yeah, yeah. Did anyone do that? that ability I, I started to. Yeah. It's not that, very helpful yeah. on bosses, though. But because I don't think it shows you their HP on bosses. No, but if you're, but if you're like, I really started using it in the museum too, because then I found out certain dinosaurs are weak to cold, so that helped. Oh yeah, Ice what? Age. <laughs> Actually, makes, that logic it makes sense. Work. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> that should work. I love I... it. <laughs> Are we still plugging movies? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's... I know that's that's sad. Ice Age is a real thing, but as soon as he said that, all I thought of was that squirrel, and then I realized he <laughs> meant like the actual Ice Age. No, like the Ice Age. <laughs> I... <laughs> the real one. I was super bored this morning, and I like zoned out, and I guess my wife had the TV on, and all of a sudden they're like. And here's where the glaciers came through and made the Great Lakes. And I'm like, yep, off. So, Ice Age is on my mind. Okay, well, that sounds like a good place to transition, then. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, the ending, like... Yes, that's what I want to talk about, too. So, first off, I thought it was kind of cute how they go back to the opera. 
And, yes! And they they get freaked out when, uh, the, what, the guard has now, like, a torch or whatnot. And they're fire. like, oh, holy crap, it's happening again. And then it's, yeah. it's like, people are like, down in front! So that was, that was funny. But what the heck is Aya doing at the very end? What the ending is the think? best thing. So it, good. It, it looks to me like it's just implying that, um, this could happen again. Like, it's, like... The you know the mitochondria are still out there. They're still among us. <laughs> they could strike back at any time. We so must always we be could wary. we could make a terrible Great sequel to this. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Oh. so it's a a callback from when Eve was talking to Aya, because she had been talking about like powers and whatnot of the mitochondria, and the more you use it, the more you're going to become like me. Yeah, but and that, she's like, not but, setting people on fire. But it's then, like implying that it yes. is growing. The way I, I interpret it that... is that Sorry. she is awakening everyone else's mitochondria. That's yeah, that's how I just like her presence. Yeah, because her, her eyes are glowing, and then everyone else's eyes are glowing. So it's sort of yeah. like, and that's actually kind of a cool way to distinguish her power from Eve's, because Eve was all about basically just you know the preserving the evolved mitochondria and destroying everything else, destroying, you know, humanity. It's humanity versus mitochondria, but uh, Aya found a way to, to coexist with her mitochondria, and maybe she's spreading that ability mm -hmm. to everyone else. Yeah, she's mm -hmm. like... Yeah. And forget about the fact that Activate. we're talking about coexisting with a part of your body that has literally coexisted with you for all of creation, Forever. but yeah. There's, yeah, there's that that's pseudo movie science again. Yeah. So I, and I, I have not played the Chrysler Building. I know it, it is it, it does contradict the endings do contradict right. each other a little bit. And that's why I, I looked it up and it was like this kind of. I actually feel like it ruins the endings. I thought the ending was so perfect because I think we've talked about this before in the podcast for a different game, but just like the ambiguity of the ending. Like, that is so brilliant. To even just have, like, I think it could be this, you think it could be that, and just, like, building that dialogue. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. how the Chrysler Billion is, like, here is an ending, like, got it. It's like, it's done. Yeah, it's like, you, you fight Zero Suit Samus, and then <laughs> you, you do, you, that's what she looks like, okay? It was the first thing that it's came not, to mind. I love it, I love it. You, you fight, you fight, um, Aya's sister or the true Eve or whatever it's supposed to be and then it but then it's like she loses her powers or something which a doesn't make a whole lot of sense and doesn't work well with the what we were just saying about the other ending the main ending and b it doesn't seem like it would work well for like if this is supposed to be the true ending then how did this series continue like if she loses her powers it's like to bring in the fact that I was into crappy anime for a while. It's like when Ichigo gets his powers back in Bleach and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because shonen. Yeah, exactly. Because, because, because power of protagonist. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, the, the ending kind of pissed me off. The second ending, the true ending. I, I actually, yeah, I, I, I love... I still haven't the, watched it. I love the regular ending. I really like it as well, and I like uh, talking about the eyes and the lighting up of the eyes, and that it ties in even just a little bit with the explanation of how she had the implanted cornea of Maya, and that yeah, was the piece the, the that specifically, mm -hmm. you know, let her develop these powers and all the rest of it. So that there is... And the main... Uh, yeah. Sorry. 
the main theme of the game, Primal Eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the main musical true. motif. It, it, yeah, it all ties together thematically yeah. really well at the end. It's it's really a really neat sequence. But but I can I also, also like we, we talked. Sorry, Josh. We talked about this last episode. How they don't tell you everything in terms mm-hmm. of what the logic behind everything is, and the big "this is why" moment happens after you beat the final boss in the regular ending situation, and they go, "So this is why." By the way, if you were still wondering why you have this power, and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay." <laughs> that's, that's, there you go. It's all my eye. It's all my eye power. Your eye uh, power? Oh, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so <laughs> proud of the. They never explained how the boyfriend survived. Ah, that pissed me off still. <laughs> because reasons. So upset about that. No, like, no, no. What would have been because reasons. Oh, I thought you said because of roofies. Because no, roofies do not work that way. Um, the, the boyfriend should have come back. Should have come back at the end and been the final boss. No, the <laughs> boyfriend. He should have come back, shown up, and been a total badass. And you're just like, huh? And he'd no, be. No, I was just no, pretending to be a weakling yeah. before. He, he should have shown up, pretended to be a total badass, and then I just punches him in the face and carries on with her dad. Just like, <laughs> okay with that. <laughs> or Daniel punches up? him out and is like, this is how this is how you actually, like, you know, be a badass and support. Yeah, don't don't upstage my sidekick supporting character role. Bam. Which I have I mean, got to say, that was, and speaking of badass, that was pretty badass how he jumped out of the helicopter to get her the uh, yeah, the bullets. Daniel yeah. Throws the clip anyway. He's like, whatever, I could die. Splash. That, yeah, Im- I- that implies, though, that they would not burn even underwater. I'm sorry, but... The thought yeah, just occurred to me, like, the amount of energy that would be required for that kind of spontaneous combustion, do you, would it actually be suppressed by... By Probably wa- not. It's also water. coming from inside. In, yeah. In the logic of this game, it's all internal. But you know, reasons. And you reasons. Were at, you were all mad at me about the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I am still mad at you about the dinosaur. It, okay, it was better. It was a better plot point than the entirety of Jurassic World. There. Jurassic World was fine, except for she uh. ran away from a T Rex in high heels. <laughs> yeah, I, Aya would have fought it head on. What are you doing, Bryce Dallas Howard? Learn the well, Aya had a gun, but Bryce that's... Dallas Howard had a, a flare. It's like the not same thing. not the same thing. It's totally the same thing. They both shoot things. She had a T Rex. <laughs> so I, I think this is a good time to talk about. We're at the ending. We we talked about kind of. I, I think part of the reason they had to do a different ending than the regular ending was there's no way they could go with a sequel. I think a better question is why hasn't there been a good sequel? What well, makes this game special specifically that when you look at it like this is a good I think all of us can agree this is a good game. Yeah. 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 Sure. Why yeah. hasn't there been a game in the same vein or why hasn't there been a good Parasite Eve since then? Well, no, I know Sorry, yeah, Chris. No, you, you start know. Peter cuz I know you don't like it and get it out. Okay. Well, well <laughs> I don't. I don't like it for. I don't like Parasite Eve two just because of taste. I'm not a big fan of traditional survival horror, and I feel like they were trying to go after that Resident Evil money with that game a little too much, and it loses. Yeah, and it loses a lot of the, the, that mixture and that magic of what made Parasite Eve one so interesting. It just becomes another 
dime a dozen Resident Evil clone. And that's fine. I know people like it, but it's it's I think it veers in a direction that runs counter to what made Resident Evil a good game rather than just a good like I'm gonna watch the cutscenes and enjoy the the explosions. Yeah, it's experience. a much flashier and, game. In the, it really yeah, is. and then. And then the third birthday, I don't think I think is like one of the most I haven't I, I it's I, I think it's one of the most botched revivals of a classic series like in the yeah. history of anything. And I remember when those stills first came up in galleries and people were so excited and it was yeah, very much yeah, like, like a Devil May Cry two thing. Everyone was just like, What happened? Mm-hmm. Where did Yeah, why? like the artwork of Aya the the artwork of Aya in the bloody wedding dress is like some of the yeah. coolest like concept art I've ever seen in my life. And then you play the game and it's like, oh time travel. How amazing would it have been if she was in a wedding dress getting married to the date at the beginning <laughs> of the first game? <laughs> no, how pissed how pissed would you be if that was the case? <laughs> yeah, she would have been like, Why am I here? What happened? And then she murdered him, that's why she was covered in blood. It would okay, explain why okay. she had the gun on her. I think people were nervous. Yeah, sorry. I think people were nervous and excited because you know it was originally a mobile game. Yeah. So you saw that artwork and you're like, okay, this is cool, but why are you making a sequel on a mobile device? And then it came here, and well, there you go. So I always think of that. I'm like, I I wanted it to be good, but I'm like, this is a mobile port, so I'm not sure if that's good or not. Which you know doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but you don't usually take a console game and follow it up there with a proper sequel. You do um, well. You make that kind of game. It needs to actually have respect put into it when it's being made, instead of coming across as kind of. It, I, I felt like it always came across as disingenuous. Yeah, it, it doesn't have even if you go from Parasite Eve two, it doesn't seem to have other than Aya as the character and you know the mitochondria. There's no gameplay or motif or through line that's very similar at least from what i've seen in footage and all the rest of it it just feels like wait why is this a third person bad action game that just happens to star Iabrea? so and i know everybody when i say this can be like oh resident evil 4 but i kind of count resident evil and parasite eve as kind of like it came at a time in gaming where something like this could be celebrated and it's, I think it's something that's very hard to replicate. And I think that's why you look at this, you look at like the first two Resident Evils, and there's games were different back then. So things, like when you have these kinds of experimentation, it works. Is that, do you think that could possibly be why we haven't been able to have a good follow-up in this type of game? No, because, I mean, again, I, I know and Peter, I think, is right to, uh, it, with a lot of his criticism of Parasite Eve 2. I also haven't played the game since I was 12. But it's not a bad game. Okay. It's just, it is much more of a Resident Evil clone through and through that just happens to be a continuation of the plot. I mean, it is tank controls. Uh, although the magic system is much more involved mm-hmm. than the first game, and much more intense, and a little closer in terms of the variety to more of a Final Fantasy. But, uh, and that you have your actual like ice spell, electric spell, fire spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in, yeah. In order to... Pr- in order to preserve the essence of what makes something good of when, while when you're also fundamentally changing it requires a great deal of care. I yes. think when you look into when you look at something like Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 4 is heralded as one of the best sequels in the in, in like history, even though it fundamentally changes like the entire game, almost all the gameplay of the Resident Evil series. But then you look at something like Resi 5, Resi 5 I think is the most prevalent example where on the surface, it's a very similar game, 
but it's the change in tone that really undoes it and the I mean the focus on co-op too and where you, you you they veered a little too far into what was popular in gaming during that the time and forgot like what made why why Resident Evil 4 worked so I'm going to play like devil's Dead advocate on this though sure Feel free. I don't. I don't have any great love for Resident Evil, so um, go go right ahead. And I'm gonna use something even more topical, and I'm gonna talk about Final Fantasy VII. Um, Do it. Oh, oh yeah, right. This works. Actually. So, and I, 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 it's getting a lot of hate, which I, I have no problem with hate being surrounded about it being episodic, but I also understand why they're doing it because they want to get it actually out. But just the, even just the, the switch, remake, yes, the remake. So even just doing the switch of the type of combat you have, I would make the argument that if you were to just up res that battle system it would not connect with players today and there's i think there's an element kind of transitioning back to uh, resident evil and parasite Eve. i think there's an element of tank control specifically or you look at just kind of like how horror worked back then it's i just don't think that type of experience connects and so to even just fundamentally to make something in that same kind of vein like i think you have to fundamentally change it and i think I've seen, I think, um, Square with how they're handling the Resident uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think that's <laughs> smart because that is putting it in a lens that it could be appreciated by people today, definitely younger gamers. I agree. Um, yes. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think if we switch back to Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4, I think, was a culmination of everything that 1 and 2 did really well. But if you when you look at 5, I think... If they had continued to do that, we it would not have been a hit. I think five kind of was like, hey, we're gonna kind of like try to tap in. They made the wrong direction. They made a, a like place. But I think going back to Parasite event, I think how you look at how everything works, I'm not sure it actually translates. And I believe that if they were to make one of these today in the same vein, it would not hit on any point that any people would care about. I don't see. I don't know. I think you could absolutely make a a Parasite Eve, as in uh, of of the one we just played, not of two, like a very similar game, like there, like Capcom has been doing with the Resident Evil remaster. And I'm not saying remaster the original Parasite Eve, but you could have that same kind of game with uh, static backgrounds, but much more highly detailed, and all the rest of it. Uh, would it be you know a sixty dollar game or a thirty dollar twenty dollar downloadable? That's you know an argument, a different kind of argument. But I do think you could have this type of game. Capcom is kind of proving with their recent model that it's not just the people who grew up with those games who want it to look a little you know shinier with a new coat of paint. There are people who know that certain games are these classics or these classic titles, and were of an era, but. They don't want, if, if especially if they're not people who love the history of, of games or love the kind of the look and the progression of how era to era everything changed. They want that experience, but looking a lot prettier. And I do actually believe you could do an, a Parasite Eve again. I really do. Just like, you know, I mean, the Final Fantasy VII, it's a much bigger budget behind it. And I don't think you'd need that for Parasite Eve. And part of what we loved about it is that it never overstayed its welcome as a game. The final boss is the only part where it finally got tedious and borderline frustrating. Otherwise, this game is really enjoyable because it's a steady curve with difficulty. 
always learning something new and, or seeing new details like the atmosphere and all the rest of it. The music's great. Every element is good. And you can argue certain parts are great or fantastic, but there's nothing inherently 100% broken about this game. It's just really good. And I, I, I just, I really believe that a lot of companies, especially Square Enix being a great example, they're too obsessed with we need to make the giant AAA that makes an absurd amount of money because we have giant staffs that need to get paid. Yeah, I mean, because they have so many studios and they just, they're not going to do the small thing even though, and it's, 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 you know, Hollywood's going through the same thing right now. They'd rather take the risk on a $200 million budget because even if, if, if it fails, if one other $200 million film is successful, it will balance out and keep them, you know, solvent for the next few years. It's, yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's the risk reward system versus you could do this with quality and people would be super happy. That's what Kickstarter's proving and and all the, the crowdsource, uh, crowdfunding sites basically have proved single handedly over the past five years. It, so I'm going to take issue with I hope- uh, Kickstarter. Well, no, I, by I, the way, I'm not saying it. I'm not here saying it's amazing and great because they fail all the time. But well, the m- fact that people want those experiences is what I mean. But there's very small groups of people that want that. You raising $3 million for a game, that to, to you and I, that's like, oh, that's a lot of money. But that's not a lot of money to build developed. a game. Sure. And, and so it's one of those things like even if you get 70,000 people that are super excited for it, let's talk Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. There's maybe 70,000 people that actually bought that game, and it's considered a huge flop right now. And so, yeah. But it's considered a huge flop because of its huge budget. So my point is, if you did the smaller approach of the, the $20, $30 game, where you're doing static backgrounds, which, yes, you're paying an artist's, artist to do the, the renderings and all the rest of it, but you're doing a $3 million budget, that actually gets covered and then some... Again, you're not talking about major profits if you're going into uh, how it affects the stock and all the rest of it, which is the more in-depth reality of why titles go the way mm-hmm. they go in a lot of cases. But at the base of we made a $3 million game, it sold 80,000 copies, we made a profit off of it. But it's not the margin they're looking for. So it's irrelevant just from the get-go. But it is I'm hoping- feasible. I'm hoping that's that with I like that, it's totally with with that Tokyo RPG studio that Square just opened up, that's making Project Setsuna. I'm really hoping that that ends up being like the start of a greater trend with them, where they can devote the resources to these smaller projects. Well, I mean, Bravely yeah. Default was that they were shocked when Bravely Default did well out out here in the U.S. and in the yeah, West. And- and that was a whole other like can of worms. Like, oh wait, this this type of game that people have been asking for for years, people actually like. Yeah. But yeah, but, but to them, they thought it was too but, too small budget, too simple in comparison to everything else. They were too folk fixated on. Everyone wants a Final Fantasy mm-hmm. thirteen, so we're going to make three of them because we put in all this money and we we have the engine and all the rest of it. And then they weren't games, actually like, listening to, to us, though. Up. Which kind of goes with yeah. losing losing touch with your audience. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, Square had the worst issue with that for most of the 2000s. Yeah, coming out of Final Fantasy X and onward. And and they've been getting they've been getting their crap they they've been getting their crap together lately. Yes. For the most part, and it's been really yeah. really good to see because I think we I mean I think I can speak for like most RPG fans when we say like we want them to succeed we want we want to like their stuff. 
Well, they've they've been driven the direction that the industry's gone for so long. They have been for the sure. driving force. Um, but to your, by the way, uh, Josh, to your point about sales figures and how that affects, and could you make a game like this today? Even before you brought up the question, I I just searched uh, RPG sales for the PlayStation One console in terms of like a ranking of what sold the most and all the rest of it. And at one thing I found is at 2004, of course, in order it goes Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX, uh, uh, Legend of Dragoon, Final Fantasy Tactics, and then Parasite Eve was at that point, the sixth highest-selling RPG wow. on the console as of 2004, according to this thing on IGN. Yeah, it, but it had only sold 749,000 copies, which, if you are talking about, you know, the mega-mega-budget RPG of a today, depending on how much is put into it, that's actually not enough to 100% break even. Yeah. Well, absolutely. yeah, but you guys take into consideration no, how the on Yes, but I bring that up to say when you went when you were talking about this was of an era where you could experiment because it was cheaper and all the rest of it. I there is validity to the idea of to an extent of you know could you take a risk in the same way, and it would be harder to because yeah. really that was you know it was cheaper to make things on a disc with CD-ROMs and all the rest of it. Also, away with presentation and all one of the things I always wonder about is Parasite Eve. Fundamentally, we, we keep talking about cinematic, cinematic, cinematic. Would we want something revolutionary in that element as with its first release? Is that something that's tied with that name of having to push storytelling in games or like how it's showing its uh, story to us? Is that something that we would ha like has to be involved in the next one? Is that why we didn't enjoy Third Birthday and the second one as much because it didn't have those elements? I don't. I I don't, I don't think, think so, so. because. Third, third birth, third birthday suffered especially from the same amount of like over, over complicated cutscene bullcrap that it had the same writer as Final Fantasy Thirteen. It was, it was all the same problems that, and, and that stemmed from the same, actually from the same, you could argue the same, uh, I don't know, movement or whatever of games that Final Fantasy VII started of taking RPGs and video games in a more cutscene-oriented cinematic direction. So I feel like the real thing that would make a, a good Parasite E follow-up would be balanced role-playing game and and an, actually an engaging story in within your cinema your cinema cinematic direction. Yeah, and and, not... and at this point, we don't have a flooded marketplace with this kind of a game. Mm -hmm. Whereas when Parasite will, Eve came say... out, it was overshadowed by its Final Fantasies, and so they went to the Resident Evil approach because that was mm -hmm. a huge selling franchise that people loved. And Dino Crisis had a female protagonist the next year doing a more action, <laughs> less horror, tank control, Capcom, survivally horror type thing, and that sold well. I, I... I will say, if we're talking about trends in gaming, I don't think I would want Parasite Eve Until Dawn or Parasite Eve, a Telltale game series. No, not at all. Because <laughs> I, feel like, I, no. Feel like, I feel like that would be removing, uh, uh, again, removing the gameplay elements that we were talking about enjoying so much in this game. Mm -hmm. So, like, you, could, you couldn't boil it down to just the story and have a compelling game, I don't think. And, and one of the key issues I, I, I want to say with that is, <laughs> I, I want to say, I said that Paris Eve was making storytelling better. I think how Telltale 
tells stories is extremely stale. Has actually reached the point that it's subpar. I've, I've been I've been reading Bob's Minecraft reviews, and I I feel his pain is audible. <laughs> I don't necessarily like think that means that they're losing their touch. I think that means that maybe the subject matter wasn't the best. I think more idea. so is yeah. that they're just crapping things out. Well, yeah, what is, what Minecraft is obviously a good story. Is a good story. Yeah. Yes, but at the same time, things aimed at kids can still be well written and fresh. And Pixar Inside Out came out. Yeah, I was gonna say Inside Out came out this year and was like the best movie I've seen that wasn't Mad Max. But Golden Age of Children's Literature. There's plenty of great. Yeah, exactly, totally. But like at the same time, if you have a studio working on eight games at once, which and they're Telltale not a is, big studio, and they're not a big studio. Exactly. I just think that they're just stretched really thin. And I mean, they still haven't finished the first season of Wolf Amongst Wolf Among Us, have they? Yeah, or did they finally? They finished finish that a while ago. Yeah, what are you talking about? I actually <laughs> thought that they didn't have the finale. They, they just, but like they just finished Game of Thrones after like a that, long hiatus, and now they announced a new season of that, and they're doing yeah. the Batman game and more Walking and Dead. And the Marvel game. Yeah, that and like, which is weird. Like, yeah. I'd say I would argue the marketplace is just as flooded for like the quote unquote like cinematic games what we would call like like you know your until dawns or your your, your beyond yes beyond two souls or other (laughs) but they're not all from the same studio you know that's the weird thing is that this is one studio making the exact same formula of a game and and he's seven of them all at once whereas technically those are other studios try having a slightly different spin on it and maybe that's not fair to say maybe i'm just being a little negative at this point but i you were trying to i i still think that they get overshadowed by the triple a you know assassin's creed and call of duties and even final fantasy still overshadows Mm -hmm. this style that's you know so i don't think that it's being saturated so much well i guess i'm talking from the perspective of you know, I guess from someone who reads and follows the industry yeah. like we all do, where we're really plugged in. But you're right. No, when it comes to the actual numbers and the reality of who's it's doesn't have the same reach. Well, by any stretch of the imagination. so to go off of Caitlin's point, and I'm going to do a sports analogy here, but you look at baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball is when it's in season. There's the a best. game literally every day. So it's at some best. point, people just don't care. Uh, I'm sorry, but like you can just have this moment where like, you know what, I'm going to stop paying attention and in two months, they'll be in the same place and I'll I'll figure it out then and I'll go to the playoffs and the playoffs are really long and then all of a sudden it's World Series, I'll pay attention. Good job. You you look at football. Football is amazing because you have essentially games in the regular season once a week and they're they're tiny little events and it gets super exciting. But then you go one step further than that and you have the World Cup, or you have something like the Olympics, where it's every four years. And then there's this huge frenzy because you've been waiting for it. It's the same thing for games. When you have a Telltale game that is coming, there's a different Telltale episode every month. Even if it's different things, it's the same thing over and over again. Whereas oh, you even look Grand at Theft something... Auto comes out every five years, right. and, and it's that's, a that's what I'm building cultural up to. event. <laughs> right. And that's that. That's essentially... You can say, like, oh, Assassin's Creed, it's, it's still crapped out every year, but it's at least only once a year. And then you go to that next step, and you have something like Grand Theft Auto... That is something that everybody has to take a look at because they have put so much love and care into it. And I, I think to bring this all back to Parasite Eve, 
we're going to somehow ring this in. That's essentially what we would want. It's been a long time. Let's ignore two. Let's ignore a third birthday. It seemed like, and this is one of the things that connected with me, the Parasite Eve was, it seemed like a love letter to what they want to do. Like, th- this was a passion project. Yeah. And that's to make something that would be so similar, you'd need that same love and care today. They made a buddy cop movie kind of game, you know, outside of the moments where she's totally going solo, which of course is most of it. But when you have those, I bet I mean like the dialogue of that game, a lot of it is very buddy cop with either Maeda or with Daniel. Like they have the straight up, like I'm too old for the shit moments (laughs) early on in the game. Like it's, that's the dialogue without it a hundred percent being there. It's, it's just, it's, it's unique. I love it. Yeah. And that's what they need, is they need that unique, they need that exciting. And that's, I, I I was never interested in two, and third birthday just looked like it was, didn't have any of that care. Um, so to go back to what we were saying, like, what would make a good sequel, that, I feel like I, that's what you'd need. Yeah, I just think you need, the, you, I, and part of, I guess, why I brought up Kickstarter once upon a time, uh, with this whole thing was that you need those people who were there in the original project or you know the diehard fans of who come forward and go hey we're gonna get all these people together who were behind that team or we're taking that influence and we want to make that game again it's like 343 mm-hmm. with with halo mm-hmm. it's you know when that first happened it was weird look and i'm not a big halo fan so if you if you if you I'm a criticize huge halo fans but uh Everyone was okay, at least at the time, maybe Josh, you'll argue otherwise, with them taking the reins because these were people who lived and breathed Halo, and they just wanted to do right by it. Now, again, as a fan, you could say whether they did or not, but I think Third Birthday was less about, I want to do right by this, and it was someone taking that IP, kind of like what Peter said. You have the writer of Final Fantasy Thirteen mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to take another female character and do the thing that I like doing with that character. <laughs> in my own way Which and not nothing. have any reverence to what came before right and the it's reverence is reverence is the keyword and I, I actually get more excited when it is somebody that grew up with it or somebody that yeah. had that mm-hmm. create love because there's that massive amounts of reverence but then they're also not set in their ways that it has to be this way yeah they, mm-hmm. and they want to try something new but maybe make it better this time yeah. as, as as long as it doesn't turn into a Sly 4 situation where it feels just enough like the past games, but at the same time doesn't, so that it always feels a little off. Yeah, I can, I can agree that with that. Okay. I will say it's like, it's like, um, to bring it back to Squaresoft, it's like how they've, why they haven't made it a Chrono 3 because they said like, we would want the original people back. We'd want, we would want to do it right. Chrono Chrono Cross is terrible. Uh, 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 shut up. You hush your heathen mouth, sir. Yeah. I don't care. It might not be Chrono Trigger, but it's not terrible. <laughs> you know what it is? Okay, well, it, it, Chrono Cross is, I think, the same reason we got Parasite Eve 2 and 3, is that, for the most part, I, I can't think of any examples right now, but um, usually when Square does a sequel, they make it very different. They don't do the Capcom sequel. They don't, or even Konami, when Konami was a game company. Um, like they just, I don't think they wanted to make the same game again with Chrono Trigger, with Parasite Eve, um, Secret of Mana. You know, me, I still want another game that's exactly like Secret of Mana. And they keep, that series still goes on, but they're all not exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, so, look at what they're doing. I don't doing. know, I think they... 
like with Final Fantasy. But, They've been making pretty drastic changes to the Final Fantasy formula, and sometimes it doesn't work out, and the fans resist, and other sure. times it's brilliant. So, I do think they could do both. Like I, I forgot who mentioned Capcom, but I don't think you mentioned it by name. But uh, when they did Bionic Commando, yeah, they remastered. They remastered the original. It was the same style, two D style, but modern graphics. It was what twenty dollars. It was a yeah. downloadable game, probably a small team. Like doing that, and then also do your big sequels too. But that would and be then cool. the, I, I could see them doing a sequel like that. Because they also did the giant Bionic Commando at the same time, and it was terrible. They put well, him that was a, a lady. No, I know. Arm. But that's yeah. so his dead wife was in his arm. Who thought that was a good idea? Said, like, was that, that the downloadable plot? one? Yes, yeah, that's fantastic. the plot. Yeah, and that is the plot. Oh boy, that's sorry. Wow. Sorry for all you people that wanted to go back and play that piece. Of... Don't play it. Just don't play it. Shit. Don't. Oh, that God. is that's a bad that's a bad motivating factor. Sorry. It's a really bad game. Then maybe people shouldn't be upset about the whole um, fortress thing being canceled because that was the developer, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was an American American team. Yes and no. I would still would have liked to have seen it. Although well, I would have. I read some plot summaries, and I'm not quite sure I would have been happy with what they would have done to my favorite character, so... I don't know. I think that has brought a close to whatever conversation we were trying to have on Parasite Eve. <laughs> <laughs> um, as it always, it's... to show that we like it. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's positive. Um, oh! I have to talk about this. So, I misspoke... I guess at the end of Deus Ex and at the beginning of the first podcast for Parasite Eve when I said that this would be the best game that I played this year on Retro Encounter because that's not fair to say because we played Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so. Now, how many people called you out on that? Uh, multiple people asked me about it. Because <laughs> they're like, didn't you say that uh, Tactics was in your top 10 of all time? I was like, yes, I did. And I was I like, think, what, were you I saying new games that you'd never played before? Yeah, so I was able to use that as my out, but I wanted to make sure that everybody <laughs> knew that um, this game is really good, but it is not a Final Fantasy Tactics to me. But now I have that out of the way, I, people can stop sending me messages about that. I was going to say that the people with pitchforks outside your window can now walk away. Uh, the crowd yeah. and mob dissipate. Yeah. So, um, a few housekeeping things. Uh, first of all, super exciting game for january is going to be pokemon and i just say pokemon with no color because it's all the colors um everybody on the team that is going to be on that podcast is playing a different color from a different generation it's going to be kind of this amalgamation talk of all things pokemon and yeah that's going to go in some interesting ways so get excited for that um also this is only episode two of the month we're having a third episode it's not gonna be about parasite eve it's gonna be episode uh, episode 25 for retro we're gonna be doing this huge game of the, or not game of the year end of the year bash party thing we're gonna talk about all sorts of craziness so get excited for that as well sounds fun yeah um we're gonna let josh off the leash i'm always <laughs> off the leash i'm leashless um but as always, put him on the leash then uh, <laughs> that's terrifying no no. Um, as always, you can send your emails to retroidrpgfan.com. Please go on our boards, uh, send a comment, or you can send an email. Or, even more importantly, jump on to uh, iTunes or whatever your podcast list place is. Get on those Zooms. 
and uh, write some reviews. Give us some five stars. That's awesome. Get on, get on, People get actually on use the Zoom anymore? No, that's why it's a joke. Good. Okay, yeah. Because, no. Because the Zoom is a joke. It was brown. You can... You can listen to your podcast it was brown. on those old black <laughs> telephones, the color right? Of what it was. <laughs> but, again, thank you for joining us for this wonderful episode. Hopefully you'll stick around even after the million tangents that we love going on. But that is going to do it for us at... Uh, what, what's our podcast name? Yeah. <laughs> that is going to do Something it encounter. for us at Retro Encounter. Rhythm Encounter, right? I actually almost said Rhythm Encounter. I have no idea why. I think I was. Ah, you, you know you want. <laughs> because Mike's you know you here. Want. I can put him here. <laughs> Feel the rhythm. She's in your head, Josh. She's in your head. Feel the rhyme. It's bobsled time. <laughs> Goodness, the time. <laughs> time. Mine time. And that is going to do it for us here. Thank you for listening.